You know, people keep talking about this 70. That's got to be somebody else. Do y'all remember when your grandparents were 70, how old they were? And you know, now you're looking at yourself going, no, 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 I'm not there. I mean, my grandfather was like Mr. Magoo, you know. Never mind, never mind, never mind. But I, I don't know. I, I'm going to come. <laughs> but, I, you know, that word 70, I'm looking at it going, there's something, somebody screwed something up bad. I mean, I am not 70. Really? Oh, man, alive. I think everybody ought to marry a young woman. It sure helps. One day when she's not here, I'm going to tell you what she put me through in Hawaii. I'm not even going to turn around and look at her face right now because I already know that. But she made me climb down the cliffs of insanity. Y'all saw the Princess Bride. I climbed down those and back up. Y'all saw that pool she was swimming in? It's a thousand feet down. And I went down there and then I went, Jesus is Lord. What was I thinking? And I made it. I didn't die. I li- I, on the way up, I said, I will live and not die. I will live and not die. <laughs> but you should be proud of me. I mean, I, and of course, I wanted to sleep the next three days, and that wasn't happening. But if, if I'm young, I got her to blame. That's, that's for sure. Amen. Amen. She's a good lady. We had fun, I'll tell you that. Y'all ready to give? Yes. Glory to God. Aren't y'all? I'm excited. Y'all are excited. I probably say that so much, y'all are probably starting to get like, we are like mega givers. Well, wait till your harvest comes in. Amen? You you know, I'm going to go back to what I was just saying a while ago. Normal people don't get a total free vacation to Hawaii. But when Lisa and I are giving, my brain is like, how in the world is God ever going to pay and when he does you're going there's a God they took us on a helicopter ride they jumped out of helicopters we went scuba diving twice we went snorkeling we went Lisa went surfing I I, they put her in a pool and and I watched her out there I watched her stand up I watched her fall I watched her do all kinds of stuff but I just ate I just ate sandwiches and watched her do it, you know. I mean I just you know, by the time you wake up at five in the morning and they come get you five in the evening to take you surfing, somebody's gotta go. That's enough. Anyway, God's good. God's good. Saturday's coming. Many of you Saturday's coming. Father, thank you for your goodness. You've always been good to us. You make sure that every need is met. You watch over us. You do things for us that money cannot buy. All of us in this room. There's things you've done and still are doing in our future. And we give you the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Once you get your Bible, go to Jeremiah 29. We start with verse 11 in a minute. 
And I want to qualify what I'm going to preach tonight, and I need to. I need to. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to give me grace because I'm going to preach a sermon called Following God. I'm going to talk about walking with God. I want to talk about fellowshipping with God. And I'm going to tell you where it came from because I always feel that I want, I, I kind of I like the way God deals with me to preach. I don't just have sermons. I don't just make them up. But um, I had been praying for the last several weeks about what he wants to do. And any time that I get a blank, I draw a blank, I could grab a Bible and preach. For that, that's not God. And I, I want to know that I know. What are, you, what are you saying? Because I, you know, I, I don't want to just say something to say it. And so the Lord began to deal with me about something, and I kind of went, eh, on him. And I went down to see Ken Estrada. He's got a regional meeting, and he got up and he preached out of this book right here, uh, Kenneth Hagin's book on uh, following God's plan for your life. And boy, it struck a chord with me, and I went, because, because he'd been dealing with me about the same thing, but I really didn't realize Brother Hagin had dealt with it also. And I, and I kind of went, okay, let's, let's do this thing. One, one of the things that I have prayed for, I know that, that the ladies in the church are praying, is a move of God. But honestly, I don't think that the average Christian has ever thought, thought about what that really entails. I mean, we would... You know, I, there's a guy that was sitting on the front porch and he said, I wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had. You can sit on the front porch in a rocking chair and wish you had a million dollars all day. But until you get up and do something, you're not, you're not going to get a million dollars. And there's a lot of Christians going, I wish I had a move of God. I wish I had a move of God. I wish I had a move of God. And they're not ever going to see one. Right. And I don't want to be in that crew. I, 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 want, I, want, I want to know that I know that I know that I'm in the middle of the will of God and that he has an avenue to work in this church. And, and that means that the pastor, of, of all people, needs to be right. You know, if nobody else lives right, it ought to be at least me. And then next, I'm working on Lisa. But I, I picked up this book, and I read this, and I want to read something to you, and it has to do with the church in America today. Because I don't know whether you all have noticed this or not. I watched um, Israel News the other day, and he made an astounding statement, and I think he's exaggerating a little bit. He said, 50% of the earth is burning, and the other 50 is flooding. We've never, we have never seen the stuff we're watching. And we haven't even entered the seven years. And, and it's getting crazy around us. And I think it's time for you and I to get real serious about where we are. I think it's time for the church to. And, and and, and I'm going to read this to you, but I make, need to make a statement to you. It is easy to become lax. The modern day American gospel is come to Jesus, go to heaven, period. There, there's not a drop of responsibility in that. And I know that when you walk in here, you're going to hear something different. And that just might make you uncomfortable. Anytime I hear something, I'm like, okay, I need to change. It's, it's an uncomfortable. I don't like being corrected. I don't like correcting. 
but it's very necessary and it's very good for us, very good. So I'm gonna read a preface to this book by Kenneth Hagin. We live in a day when we don't have time to play church or fool around with the devil's games in our lives. Now, I don't know when he wrote this, but he, he's been gone for a few years. The last days are upon us. The end of all things is at hand. Critical years lie ahead of us. There is a great work to be done and a great harvest of souls to be reaped. Never has it been so important for us to be free from all that has bound us in the past. Never has it been so crucial for us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading for each of us to follow God's plan for our lives. It's time to shape up, friends. Now, Brother Hagin don't normally write like that. For him to even make that statement is like he's off the chart already. It's time to get serious about serving God and being everything God wants you to be. As you walk in obedience to God, your past failures and shortcomings, which have hindered you from walking in the Spirit, will not be able to keep what the Lord has obtained for you from coming to pass. In other words, it's going to come. If you do your part by preparing and obeying, all the carnal plans of man and all the demons of hell will not be able to keep his plan from being fulfilled. Nothing will be able to distract or offset what God has proclaimed in your life. Now, let me stop to you. As we're talking, we're going to talk about the plans of God. And I want you to understand, I, I mean, if I'm wrong, then just tell me. I don't believe there's anybody in the room here that hasn't missed it at some point. Are we all okay with that? Okay. This is not a beat you up sermon. This is a let's make the corrections necessary, whether large or small, to get in the plan of God. Are y'all game with that? And where we're going to go is this. It will hinder you. And if you're not going, there's a scripture that says seek or draw near to God. Most Christians don't. The doctrine of God's got everything, whatever happens is God, is, is born out of flesh and laziness. That's the root of that. And I, that sounds brutal. I'd get kicked out of churches. Most churches would kick me out for already right now. They, the ushers would take me out. But it's true. You're, you will, you, you'll never be happy until you're in the middle of the world. And you'll never have the life that you should have. And, and many people will just be flat and miserable. And you need to know that. It, it's going to be effort on your part to actually go, I think it's time for me to draw near to God. If you're not drawing near him, he isn't talking to you. People say, I don't ever hear the voice of God. Duh. Let me, let me, let me quote a scripture to you. Seek and you shall find. Now, now, this is what that means. God never lies. If you have never found it, you aren't looking. And we have people in this church who, who have pretty much prayed, God, this is what I want to do. Help me. And, and it takes an enormous amount of 
dedication to lay your plans down and get before God and find out what he wants. And we're, we're going to talk about that. That's what we're going to talk about. And because of that, all of us in this room could probably use a little tiny bit of help. Okay. Amen. Someone say praise the name of Jesus. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Isn't this good? Says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Everybody in the building, you will call on me and you will go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Not part of it, not half of it, 100%. Now, I'm gonna finish reading this and I'm gonna make a statement to you about the Bible. Are you all ready? This is not a menu. Listen, don't ever pick this book up and go, uh, chicken, nah, beef, uh, hold on a minute, fish. I want fish. There's nothing in here that Jesus said that's optional. Now, we have a lot of different denominations, but I'm going to make a statement to you. God didn't start any of them. God sees one body. You're born again. You're a Christian. And he expects you to be a doer of the word. He doesn't care if you're a Catholic or a Muslim. He expects you to do the word. If you say, I'm a Christian, there's a scripture for you. Go in all the world and teach them to do what I said. Now, that's my job. Now, I understand that when you walk into church and I'm teaching you what he said, not everything he said is comfortable. Not everything... This is not an American book. I know that some of y'all have a new American standard. I haven't seen one in a while. But there is no American Bible. This is not a Western book. Jesus is not Western. He's not American. He's an Easterner. Oriental people think very different than Americans. We need to adopt this instead of asking this to adopt us. And sometimes our American life conflicts with this. What changes? We do. We do. Come on, y'all. We do. And we're going to talk about that. Today in our society, I mean, most, most parents look at their kids and go, where are you going to college? Why don't you ask them, have you prayed and asked the Lord, should you even go? I hate to, I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you mad. Jesus nor Solomon went to college. And they did all right. It it, it has become the catch-all because the world told you that is the secret to success. That's not true. There's nothing, the word college isn't in here anywhere. Now, there are people who the Lord goes, I want you to go to school. There are people who I want you to go to school. If you're a doctor, he's, God, I hope you go to school. And don't just learn pills. If you're a lawyer, you should go to school. There are people who God ordains them to go get 
a higher education. And you and I can't decide that. But, but quit letting American society tell that every kid that walks out of high school has got to go to school. That's not true. What are you supposed to do? Well, why don't you get in the middle of the will of God? Why don't you go and say, what do you want me to do? And where do you want me to do it? And how do you want me to do it? Do you think God can make you a success without, without college? He most certainly can. Are you, I'm not anti-college. I'm not an, I went to school. I went to Raymond. I could start a school. There's people in here that should be in my school. Yeah, there are. So schooling is good in the will of God. Now, let me finish reading this. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from the nations and the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. I'm going to bring you to a place from which I cause you to be carried away because you have said, okay, then he goes on. Listen, God can turn your captivity around. But the secret into this verse is this word right here. I will be found by you, I, I, and you will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Now, let me make a statement. Go to James 1 and make a statement to you. God is not Chick-fil-A. You, you might want to walk up to the window and put in an order, but something tells me that there are prayers that never get answered without you putting some time on your knees and on your face in the presence of God. Now, let me stop right here and share something with you about the mighty, powerful Holy Ghost that lives in you. I don't know whether y'all have ever noticed this or not, but when you get in the presence of God, have you ever noticed that all of a sudden things you said, things people said to you, things you did that were wrong pop? Who is doing that? It's, it's not the devil. I, I used to think, Satan, every time I get before God, you get in the middle. And then I realized it wasn't the devil. I finally got in the presence of God so he could talk to me. He goes, now, now before you come in here and start praying, let's talk about what you said to so-and-so. No, I'm, I'm not standing near Barbara for no reason. I'm, I'm, I better move. I don't want Barbara to get a, get, come over here and sit, stand next to Amber. How many of y'all have ever had that happen? You, you walk into church, you're worshiping God, and everything you did last week that you disobeyed is, is surfacing. And you're like, I'm trying to worship God. Why is all this junk floating up? Because he wants you to get rid of it. Y'all, I'm preaching better than you're amen, and I'm fixing to come back there and slap somebody. Because without being in the presence of God, you can't stay clean. And don't keep avoiding him. All right. James chapter 1, verse 21. Let me turn over here. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness, that means teachable, the implanted word which is able to save your soul and be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving yourself. 
God never designed church for you to walk in it and to say, I did my hour. If you're not reading your Bible with the intent of doing it, you right now in this room are not in fellowship with God. I didn't say you weren't a Christian. I said you're not in fellowship with God. Now, that's pretty strong. Now, go back to that thing that I made a statement a while ago. When I, when I got born again, I began to pick up my Bible. God began to deal with me. Now, this, this is one way you know you're in fellowship with God because all of the conversations he's having with you are not fun. For, for instance... Right after I got born again, I'm in the living room worshiping the Lord and excited I'm saved. Pat Robinson comes on the television and quotes a scripture. If any man doesn't work, he doesn't eat, and he's worse than an infidel. And I'm going, good God. And I turned the TV off and went and got a job. I mean, it was the word I didn't just go, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Father, help me find a job one day this next six months. It was, listen, the word, it's a commandment. God didn't use that word as a suggestion. He's talking to me. Now that you're saved, get I know you're in watching the 700 Club. I know you love Jesus, but... You need to obey me and go get you a job. Well, the job he got me was at a place called Certain Tea, the fiberglass plant. Can I tell you I didn't like that job? So, when I didn't like that job. Well, take it anyway, numb nut. He didn't tell you to, to work for six months, one year, and look for what you like. Make money and then look for a job. Boy, I'm preaching better than y'all amen it. But see, we got to get back to some good old-fashioned ethics. Good old-fashioned obey God. And, and, and there's way too much looseness in Christianity. Way more than we need. So the next thing he said, when I got my job, he got me a job. And then I remember they put me on the second shift. Now, that's 4 o'clock until whenever. And I walked in at exactly 4 o'clock, and, and I looked for my time card, and I clocked it, and I was so happy I was on time. And my new boss that I had never met before was standing there, and he looks at my time clock, and he says, Morgan, you're late. And I did what Morgan has always done. I chewed him out. Now, give me a break. I've only been saved a week now. Y'all don't be too mean to me. And I turned to him and said, let me tell you something, Jack. It's 4 o'clock. He said, Morgan, this might be your last day. I'm like, well, you idiot. Now, I'm upset. And I, I slammed my card down and walked off. And the Lord said, you're late. And he said, you asked me to get you a job. You asked me to get you out of debt. You asked me to be the Lord of your life. And here you are, the first day of work, and you're chewing your ball. Don't you ever open your mouth. And I'm like, what happened to Jesus loves me? This I know. I'm in a fiberglass plant, which I don't want to be. I'm being chewed out by my boss and chewed out by God, and I haven't even done anything wrong yet. Well, I had. 
So, I mean, all of a sudden, my life is going through a grindstone of God cleaning up the reason I'm broke, the reason I'm sick, and the reason I'm messed up. That's what happens when you make him Lord. I didn't say Savior. I said Lord. That You say, I want you to help me. Well, he might have to help you with you. So he gave me a mandate. He said, there's a scripture in the Bible that from this day forward, you work as unto me. You don't work for certainty. You work for me. And I want you here 15 minutes early every time you walk in the door. I want you here early. I want you on that bagger at four o'clock. And I'm going, what did, what, what did I do? It's called love. Y'all, I'm preaching better. I'm going to say it again. I want a little bit. It's called love. I'm going to tell you something. You love your kids. You, 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 spoiling your kids rotten is not love. They, they, we want this for dinner. You eat what I cook. Oh, you go hungry, honey. I'm going to tell you right now. Well, I could. Praise the name of Jesus. Listen, don't spoil them and turn them into brats. And when they get 21, start praying for them to get saved. I'm over here and preaching. So I worked at this job and I never missed a day. And I got promotion after promotion after promotion because I, because I let the Lord teach me to work, teach me ethics, teach me morals. I started keeping my word. I kept, he said, number one, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and I got raised after raise. I got promotions. I mean, God blessed. And in, in two years, of the, three years of being there, I got totally out of debt and got my first new car, and God blessed me. But whoa, you're talking about brutal. He's just brutal. See, if you don't know the God I'm talking about, I don't know if you know him. There's a lot of scriptures in your Bible. I don't even know it. Y'all even, I mean, I'm wondering, do y'all read the same Bible I read? Because there's a lot of scriptures on there. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. All right. This book is not pick and choose. Now, let me share one more thing with you. This is not a charismatic Bible. It's not a Baptist Bible. It's not a Methodist Bible. There is nothing in here optional. Love is patient, love is kind. Don't, no, don't, don't blow over the top of that. Love hardly notices when others do it wrong. Stop right there. Don't you go anywhere. Don't you go anywhere. Stay right there for a while. There's a lot of scriptures in here that your flesh doesn't like. Okay, I'm going to give you one. Serve one another. Let's do another one. Let me ask you a question. Do you expect me to be here? How come? Because I'm the pastor. Well, what about you? Did you, know, did you know that it's okay for me to expect you to come to church? Did you know that? You bet your sweet bippy. How am I going to give an account of you and I don't even know if you're, where you go to church? Lord, are they, are they, they go to my church? I haven't seen them. 
Lisa and I were in, a, in an automobile dealership one day. I hope I didn't give too much away. And a lady looks at me, she goes, Pastor Morgan. I went, yes. She goes, how are you doing? I faked it. I, wonderful. She gave me a big hug, and she, I, I put in my order. I was buying getting parts for my, for my truck. And when she left, I looked, and I said, who is she? And she told me her name, and I went, oh, yeah, I did her wedding 10 years ago. I'm not your pastor. I didn't say nothing. I have, I've gotten bolder. I would say, and, and your name? Because I'm not quite sure I know who you are. You know, your hair's different. Yeah, very. <laughs> everything is different. <laughs> it's grayer and everything, you know. Okay, I want you to go to Mark. I want you to go to Matthew 11. And I'm going to talk to you about something. Can y'all handle a little anti-Baptist charismatic word of faith truth? Can you? Are you sure? I mean, I want permission. Matthew 11. Did you know that every time the preacher preaches, it's not always supposed to be nice? Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. You, the ones of you that said amen. There's something that goes on in churches that somehow or another... And, and I'm going to make this statement for my sake and, and for Robert's. Did, did you know that there are times that I'm aggravated? I get aggravated. I'm not going to put up with that. Yeah, you are. You're going to walk in love. But I want you to know something. God is not always happy every Sunday morning. You need, to, you need to hear that. See, we're living in a time right now where God is going to start saying things, and you're going to walk out of church and go, someone polished my shoes. And, and you're going to go, and I'm going to be happy. The Lord showed this to me because I was praying, and I said, Lord, you know, I just, and I told the Lord this. I said, you know, I think I was aggravated tonight. Uh, now, I'm not going to tell you when because I know y'all want to know and I'm not going to tell you. And he told me, he said, so was I. And I went, really? Now, I'm not talking about excuses for bad attitude. I'm not talking about that. If you're married, don't tell me you've never been aggravated. If you've got children, don't you tell me You've never closed the door and raised your voice a little bit and said, I ever see that again. Are y'all out there? Now, I'm going to tell you something that goes on in church, and you're not going to believe this until I read it. The Holy Spirit, reprove, rebuke. I don't like it because I like friends, but I like God more than I like you. I want to sleep at night knowing I obeyed God. I want to make sure my attitude is right and it's not me. Are y'all okay? And he began to rebuke the cities in which most of the mighty works have been done. Don't look at me and tell me that Jesus 
walking this earth never got royally ticked because he did. And don't tell me that he doesn't get ticked occasionally now. I've heard some good preaching and the preacher was not happy. And I knew that it was God. Now, I don't, and I don't, I don't want a diet of that. But if God wants to say something to me, I want God to say something to me. I want to read another one to you. Are you all okay? I'm not going to stay here all night. I'm just going to do a couple of them. Luke 13, 15, pop it on the screen. And the Lord answered them and said, you hypocrite. Then each one of you on the Sabbath looses ox and donk and lead it away to water. You bunch, of, you bunch of hypocrites. I've walked into church before. It doesn't happen a lot. It doesn't happen a lot. But it used to. And I had to really pray because I realized, and I'm saying this to, to help you. When, when you see me, oh, I want you to stop right there and pray with me because we're in, there's a demon in the room. There's a, there's a presence in here and God wants it out. Now, this happened to me, and I'm going to tell you a story right now. And I'm not making an excuse for the days that it wasn't God. There have been two. No, there's probably been <laughs> ten. I don't, I don't know. Okay, okay, y'all. Listen, you're following the Lord. If you're following me, you're messed up already. I'm being serious. He told me to teach you the word. He didn't tell me to be Jesus. I'm not Jesus. So one day, one day I'm in, I'm in church, and, and, and I mean every Sunday morning, I mean I am on my knees. God, help me to be nice today. I really am. Do you remember when LJ used to say, yeah, he's in there hollering at the people again? That was in that time. I mean, honest to God, folks, I would pray Heavenly Father, help me to be nice in Jesus' name. And I would come in and open up my Bible and start preaching. And all of a sudden, I don't know what would come on me, but I would start preaching. And people would say, is he mad? And I'm like, I'm not. I'm not really, I'm really nice. And Lisa wouldn't say a word all the way home. I said, just, just be quiet. I don't know. And I would go in my bedroom and I'd get on the floor and I'd go, God, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. And, and it, this went on for, I know, I know four to six weeks. I know it went on for a while, maybe longer. And I was down at Rodney Howard Brown's meeting down here in Lakeland. And, um, and that was the night the angels sang. And I'm back there worshiping God. And I'm just loving Jesus. And I just got mad. I just got mad. And I'm going, what is wrong with me? I'm not even in my church. I mean, Mrs. Jones isn't even sitting in here. And the Lord said to me, and he, and he opened up my eyes, and I had a, an open vision of my church. He said, son, this is what's happening to you. When you get in the spirit, there are demons. There are three religious demons in your church. And when you get in the spirit, you hear them taunt you. Now, I'm going to tell you what I was hearing. When I get over in the spirit, I would hear, it's not true. Yes, it is. And the people are going. 
There he goes again. He's crazy. So I'm standing in Lakeland, and I'm standing there, and the Lord said, and I saw the demons. There were three religious spirits, and they looked exactly like Elmer Fudd. They're little short guys, bald hair. And I saw the people that they were sitting next to. I could tell you their names right this minute. And the Lord said, there's no, I said, what do you want me to do about that? He said, take authority over it. I said, well, that's up in Opopke. He said, there's no time or distance in the spirit. He said, I want you to take authority and don't allow them to taunt you in your church. And I went, glory. And, and it's, it's only, well, I did it. When I got back that next Sunday, those three people were mad. They were mad. And I just watched it because I wasn't mad. And I watched their face, their countenance. I mean, they're fit to be tied. And that, all three of them, that was their last Sunday they left. They never came back. Now, I've only had like one or two other instances that I'm aware of where I've walked in like a prayer meeting and I look at Sister Jones and my hair stands up on the back of my neck and this woman is a mess. I mean, she's full of bitterness and strife and gossip and lie. And I mean, I just roll around the room and I get this, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. And normally the Lord will say, address it. And I'll go, I take authority over that in Jesus' name. And I don't call people's name. I don't call people's name. I say, I bind that in the name of Jesus. And if you ever hear me doing that, just stop and go, it's not me. <laughs> I'm saying that to you because, because you, when you start asking for a move of God, when the Holy Spirit falls, <laughs> I'm going to see all kind of stuff. I'm going to hear stuff that I'm like, I don't believe you're showing me that. I'm up here preaching one day, and I looked up, and a lady was sitting in here, and I saw her standing at the bottom of her steps, screaming at her husband and letting him have it for everything he was worth. And the Lord said, you address that. I didn't call any names. I said, I walked away. It was actually over in his here. I walked away, and I said, you standing at the bottom of your steps and screaming at your husband, that stops now in Jesus' name. The only two people that knew what I was talking about were me and her. And then I went back to preaching. And, and see, I'm saying that to y'all because I don't want y'all to go. We, we just need to go to a church where the guy's nicer. And, and, and if y'all noticed it, you don't, you don't ha- it don't happen a lot. But I have, but I want to tell you something. I have to pray before I step out here. I bind every devil from hell. You will not come in this church. You will not hinder the, this. You will not do anything in this church in Jesus' name. Because people bring spirits in the church with them. And they'll manifest if you... I said all that for this reason. And then there's times the Spirit of God will go, I want you to deal with something and correct it right now. And I mean, I, I, I mean, if that goes on all the time, you need a new pastor. Okay. Because I've become bitter. And I've done that before. I've actually gotten over there before where I'm actually mad at people. But I've had to learn to walk in love. I've had to learn the same thing y'all have learned. But I have learned that there are times when the Lord said, I want you to say something and I want you to address it. And here's one. If you've been saved 20, 25, 30 years, 
God's got a lot. He's requiring a lot more out of you. We have people in this church that are babies. God's not holding them to the same standard he is other people. If you walk out and say, I just felt condemned. Well, you probably are. Go home and get on your face. Get right with God. I mean, amen. Amen. Okay. Y'all are doing pretty good. I mean, I prayed and said, God, help me with this a little bit tonight. Okay. Um, Matthew 7, 7. Let's go over there. Turn to page left. 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. Whoever asks, receives. He who seeks, find. And him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, the Lord said this to me when I was in um, St. Thomas. And I told you the story. I'm in St. Thomas, and, and people are on the beach having fun. And I'm thinking to myself, these people are not born again. And, I, and I'm feeling guilty that I'm out here having fun, and everybody around me is going to hell. I mean, I'm like, this is not right. And I said, Lord, help me with this. Do you want me to do anything while I'm here? I'm always asking him if you want me to do something. He said, no, there's no one here seeking me at all. I went, whoa. That's when it dawned on me. Now, listen, I know people right now, they don't, there's things they don't know. But there's a reason they don't know it. They're not looking. If you're not looking, you will never find what you're not looking for. You won't sit in the church and have revelation hit you you aren't looking for. And so I, I've had to deal with people who I say, well, they've been in this church so many years. I mean, I mean I, I'm ashamed to say I don't think they've grown a, a lick. It's true. Jesus did not lie. If you learned it, you were looking. And if you didn't learn it, you weren't looking. Now, he's expecting you and I to at least be seeking his face. What do you want me to do? And how, I mean, he's really, Brother Hagin makes a statement, and, he, and I'm, I, I hope I'm going to find it in this book. And he said, the charismatic movement today is nothing like it was when I pastored a church. He said, at the end of every church service, we had altar services, and people would come up and spend an hour. Now, I'm going to say this to you. Don't get mad at me. I wouldn't ask y'all to pray for an hour at all. I, I, I doubt we'd get six people stabbed, church pray at all. Your American way of life. Now, don't you think about this. When Jesus walked the earth, when they said they made bread, they went and got the wheat out of the field and then ground it and then ground it with a rock and then made it. You, your life is gravy. God required them to pray an hour a day and you have refrigerators and washing machines and cars and you're busy? No, you're not. Okay, I'm gonna come over here. I mean, I've done, that was brutal. We don't have... Pastor, I mean, good God, I mean, you're a pastor. I mean, I'm working for a living. No, you're working and you're goofing off is what you're doing. You're doing things that you don't need to be doing. No, I'm talking about if you want to move a God. I'm not talking to anybody else. You came on Wednesday night, so I figured you were probably looking for God. 
Okay, let me see. I'm trying to find that. I'm trying to find the place that he talked about the old line Pentecostals verses today, and I should have marked it. Therefore, waiting before the Lord in prayer, and in the word is vitally important, if you want to walk in God's ways according to his thinking, rather than according to your own natural reasoning. When I was still young in my Christian walk, I learned to take time to wait before the Lord in prayer and in the word until I got it clear in my spirit what he wanted me to do. Sometimes I sought God in prayer for days about his direction. In fact, sometimes I prayed months. Don't shout me down. So I'm, I'm going to back up here, and I'm going to tell you another story. And Lisa and I have talked about this as far as us watching at least ministers. When, I'm, when I married Lisa, I had no idea what God wanted me to do. I had no earthly idea what he wanted me to do. I could have just started something, Barbara, just started it. But I'm not going to do that. If he's not in it, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to get out there and ask God to bless what I'm doing. I tried that. I did that. I started my own ministry, Air Mobile Ministry. What was it? Wings of Freedom. Didn't do squat. I prayed like crazy. God never even paid any attention to me. I would, I would come home from work every single day. I would go work out with weights, go run three miles, come and eat dinner, take a shower, and go into Josh's bedroom and get on my face and pray till I went to bed. And I did that for months. Because I'm miserable. I'm miserable. Sometimes you need to get real miserable. If you're out of the will of God, you're miserable. And you're not ever going to be unmiserable just because you change spouses and change jobs and change the color of your hair. It isn't going to work. You're going to have to get in there and pray. And why does God wait? I'm going to tell you one of the reasons I found is that very often there's like 10 things standing between me and the answer that I don't see. And as I'm praying, God is dealing with me. And I did that before I took the pastorate of this church. Lisa and I lived on Indian Bluff Drive, and I started flying with Air Mobile Ministries for a while. And then when I was in Haiti, still praying, and Melanie was there when the Lord spoke to me and said, when you get home, you're going to take that church. But you don't realize, I, I probably prayed, Lisa, what, a half a year, if not more? Three to six months. Three to six months. Easy. Every day to hear from God. We're, we've developed... A Chick-fil-A, I was going to say McDonald's, but everybody in here got better sense than that now, I think. If you don't, take a hamburger, put it on the dash of your car, and then just leave it there for two or three or four or five years. And when it's still fresh, you'll quit eating them. Thank you. Fries are the same. They're, they're never rot. One day I was eating a, one of those pudding cups, and I laid it on the ground, and the ants wouldn't eat it. <laughs> And I went, God, that's smarter than I am, you know. I'm going to read a story to you. My sister died in the fall of that year. In fact, our family was ill, all gathered around my sister's bed. In the evening, she drew her last breath. At 1.30 the next morning, I was lying in bed thinking about what it must be like for my sister when she left her body and went into heaven. 
I thought about the time my own heart stopped beating in August 16, 1933, and I lay on the bed of sickness, and my heart stopped, my spirit left my body, and as I looked back, I could see my body lying on the bed, and I saw my mother holding my hand, I thought about my sister, and when she died and left her body, she must have looked down on all of us. As I was thinking about it, a bright light and a golden beam from light from heaven, about as big as an elevator shaft, penetrated right above the ceiling. And when that light touched me, my spirit left my body, and I went up through the beam of light, and as I, like an elevator, and until I reached heaven. In heaven, I saw my sister talking to Jesus. When I walked up to him, Jesus stopped talking to her and looked at me. And when Jesus looked at me, my sister turned around to see who Jesus was looking at and saw me. The first thing my sister said, Ken, don't feel bad you couldn't pray the prayer of faith for me. There was a reason why you couldn't. And she didn't tell me what that reason was. Some things you don't need to know. Sometimes God doesn't reveal to us the reason why some people don't receive their healing because the secret things belong to God. My sister told me she'd already seen Granny and Grandpa, my mother's parents. She also said she'd seen her grandson, Jason, who had died when he was three years old. She said, Kenneth, I saw Anne. Anne was her daughter who had died as a result of an automobile accident when she was only 25, leaving behind two children. My sister continued, the first thing Ann said to me was, how is Bill and the children? Bill was Ann's husband. I didn't tell Ann Bill had remarried. They don't know natural stuff. But they do know how you're doing spiritually. Everybody in heaven knows how, where you are in your walk with God. Then my sister said something that came as a real revelation. She said, you see, people up here are not interested in the natural side of life, those living on earth. They're not concerned whether or not you have a new dress, a new suit, or how much money you have in the bank. They're concerned about spiritual things. They don't know what happens in your life in the natural realm, but they know everything you do spiritually. They know when you make a decision for Christ. My sister was talking about the cloud of witnesses in heaven watching us as we run our spiritual race. That was a revelation Sister Wilkerson had prophesied I would receive during this experience. My sister said, Ken, please talk to blank. She didn't give a name. And she mentioned the name of her youngest son. And she said, he will listen to you. My, my son, my sister was talking about, had known God at one time and had the call of God on his life, but then he ran away from God and had not been in fellowship with God for many years. My sister said, tell my son I told you that he will never be happy and life will never go right until he surrenders his life to the Lord. Tell him when he rededicates his life to the Lord, I will know it. We know up here what goes on spiritually on earth. Now listen to me. I'm going to share something with you about me. I, I could tell you about other people, but I'm just going to tell you about me. I had a time in my life when, and, and, and Melanie and Betty and people know what I'm talking about. When I worked with Tom, I, I thought that I would be with Tom until Jesus returned. I never gave thought to going anywhere. Well, when I went through a divorce and I was asked kindly to step down, which is probably wise. You don't need a divorced young man with teenagers. Well, my whole life, I mean, I, I, I didn't have a church. I didn't have a family. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have, I didn't have anything. Everything instantly was gone. And my income went down to one-third of what it was because they were paying for the house I was in, and that at least was some, you know, income. Now I've got an apartment and, 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 and et cetera, et cetera. So... So after that, I really drug my feet to obey God. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Listen, I'm trying to tell you all something. 
I mean, I love the Lord. I read my Bible and I went to church. But I wasn't exactly real excited about his next assignment. I would pray, Lord, what do you want me to do? One day, I'm driving down Overland Road in my baby blue SR22 pickup truck with 96 horsepower. Can't even. Good little truck. And the Lord speaks to me audibly and says, when are you going to do what I want you to do? And he aggravated me. I said, well, that's what I'm talking to you about. I've been talking to you about this. I've been asking you. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, I'm not going to tell you until you tell me you'll do it. And I went, no. I said, I don't know what you're going to tell me, and I may not want to do it. He said, well, I'm not ever going to tell you. And I'm going to tell you all this. I was miserable. You know, when you're a Christian and you're not obeying God, did you know you're one, you are, you are rough to be around. Don't shout me down. Men at work would say to me, sinners, Morgan, we wish you'd get right with God. Because you're making us miserable. You are the most, see, I'm, sinners are happy. Christians on fire for God are happy. Backsliders, they're the most unhappy people on the planet. So I said to the Lord, I said, I'm, I'm afraid. I, bow, I, I, I lost it. I busted. I, I wept. I said, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of obeying you. I said, I have lost everything obeying you. And I'm sitting in this truck. with. I, by that time, I just married Lisa. I said, I now have a family. And I don't know if I want to look at you and tell you, I'll go where you want me to. I don't know if I want to move to China or India or Russia. Are y'all out there or did y'all go home? Do you know what your problem is? Exactly the same as mine. You got yourself some reservations. But I'm going to tell you this. You'll never get in the will of God until you're willing. And you'll never, you'll, listen, you're praying for a move of God. You will never have one. You may sit in a church while it's going on. You won't have one. I told you it's going to get a little strong. So that day in my truck, and I'm going to tell you something. I, have y'all ever cried until you, you're, you know what I mean when I say you cry your guts out? I cried my guts out. I, I slobbered snot all over my steering wheel. I mean, I'm, I'm bawling. I am, I am God. And I finally shook. I shook. I said, okay. I'll go where you say go. And I'll do what you say do. Starting right now. I trust you. With me. Now, I mean, that's, that's called consecration to God. The, the, listen, that's missing in this church. That's missing in this church. That's missing in, that, that was missing in me. That's not a one-time prayer. You're going to pray that more than once. And that was the day the Lord dealt with me to start flying with Air Mobile. And then it wasn't long after that, he asked me to take this church. That was one thing I didn't want to do. If you want to be, if you want to pastor a church, you're crazy. This is, without God, this is crazy. 
only through grace. I know pastors who went because their mother called them. That's why they compromise. You, 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 I have to know that I know that I know that I know that I know that he's got my back. Because when he tells me he wants me to preach a sermon on Wednesday night called Following God, I got to know that I know that God's got my back. Because you may walk out and I may never see you again. And then I don't know who's going to be here. I'm looking up going, oh, Lord. Are you all out there to go home? Because this is not the kind of stuff people like. Not in our society. All right. Go to, how am I doing for time? Well, I got a few minutes. Go to Hebrews 12. See how quiet y'all are? That used to bother me, but it don't anymore because you know what? Here's what's happening. You're spending time with God. Jesus did not pay the price to save you for you to live any way you want to live. He's looking, he's looking for fruit. Okay. Now, every one of us are at a different place of what he's asking. So I can't come along and look at you and tell you what he's saying to me, saying to you, I can't do that. Because he might be talking to you about something totally different than me. But let me, let me read this to you, 12.1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those are the people that have gone on before us. Let's lay aside every weight, not just sin, but Barbara waits. What awaits? It's everything in your life that's keeping you from obeying God and not necessarily is it sin. It may be legitimate good stuff. You know why I quit shooting competition pistol? Couldn't keep it up and obey God. Can't do it. It's too much in my brain. I had to lay it down. I had to go, okay. No. It's also one of the reasons I quit flying. You don't need to fly an airplane just to fly an airplane just to get up and fly an airplane. You need to have a reason you fly an airplane. And pastor in church, I didn't have a reason, and I had to just lay it on the altar. There's a lot of things you're going to lay on the altar. Some of you need to lay some relationships on the altar. People. Don't compromise truth and call it love. It isn't. There are people that you might need to have words with, and it'll be the last thing you ever say. I don't mean be mean and ugly. I'm just talking about you look at your kids and go, this is unacceptable behavior. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not pleased with this. I don't mean that you say it to everybody. We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let's say aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance, patience, the race set before you. I wrote down some stuff here. What about pride? See, when we think of sin, we think of adultery and robbing the bank and murder. And we go, well, I'm not an adulterer and I didn't rob a bank and I hadn't murdered anybody. So I'm doing pretty good. But what about pride? What is pride? It's self-reliant. I don't need to be filled with the Holy Ghost speaking tongues. I got it. No, you do not. He didn't ask you if you want to be filled. He commanded it. Yeah. 
and he's not stupid. That's called pride. Stubborn. Well, we could be here all week, but I don't want to. I just want to, I want to hit them. The ones that are, the ones I hit, y'all go. And I'll know, you'll know. Apathy. Well, quite frankly, Scarlett, I don't give a darn. Did you know that's the first cuss word in a movie? He screwed cinema up that day because the church said nothing. Did you know there was a time that nobody was ever filmed in a bed? The church said nothing. And Hollywood's getting been getting worse. Okay, all I got to do is just nothing. All right, here's one. What about selfishness? The big me. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you what about me. You know, you don't need to do everything you want to do. When you want to do it. If you're going to live for God, there's going to be some things you're not going to do anymore. And there's going to be things that you enjoy doing. You're going to, they're going to get curbed. How much time do I have? When I got born again, I had one love probably as much as the Lord. And that was deer hunting. Fall came, I'm in the woods. Because... If you're not in the woods, you, it's hard to kill a deer if you're not in the woods. It's very difficult to do. I'm not saying it can't be done, but that's called, you know, there's, that's why they have people like Tanya to keep you from doing that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, I, went, I, I, I was laying in the bed one day, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm thinking about deer hunting. I have a Bible open, and I'm reading it, and my brain is on whitetails. And I'm thinking about my deer stand, where I'm going to put it, and what day I'm going to go. And I'm praying, and the Lord said, I take no pleasure in this. He said, put your Bible down, get your gun, and get out of here. Now, he already let me know, if, if, you're, if, you're go, if this is what you're going to do, go do it. Don't sit here and act like you're spending time with me, because you're not. Now, y'all thought he was always nice until y'all met me. I got my gun and went out in the woods and walked around, and I knew that I knew that I knew that this was out of order. And I did the one thing, and I'm glad I did what I did. I went home and took my rifle and put it in the closet, and I said, God, I'm not stepping in the woods until you say so. And I had to take something very important to me because I had to call God on my life. I need, I need to be thinking about what God's called me to do. Getting ready for ministry, not deer hunting. That means it might be a fall coming up and you ain't in the woods. Are y'all out there? And he said, okay. That's where I wrote the story in my book that the last day of the season, I'm laying in my bed at 10 o'clock in the morning and it's raining outside. And the Lord goes, why don't you go deer hunting? And I'm like, Where it's raining. I need to teach you about deer hunting. You really need to get a grasp on this thing. You get up in the morning. You get before dark, you know. And I said, it's, it's 10 o'clock. He said, well, you asked me. I went, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. 
I grabbed my gun and I got in my truck and took off. What I didn't know was that the night before it had frozen solid and all of the deer were in the fields at noon. Wow. See, he's actually pretty smart. Anyway, I killed a deer that day. I hunted one day and I got a deer. And he said, see? I went, you and I could do this. <laughs> and every time I go to Tennessee, I only go for two weeks. I've come home with six deer. I pray. I mean, he goes, you might want to go over there. You might want to go over there. I don't have time to, I don't have time to scout. I can't go to Tennessee and scout. I can't even spend all day thinking about it. But God knows where the deer are. Okay, that's enough. I'm, I got 10 more minutes left. What about unfaithfulness? When's the last time you told somebody to do something and a month later you changed your mind? It happens in church all the time. You know the number of people I can depend on to do what they say? Very few. You're Americans more than you're Christian. If you give your word, keep it, no matter what. Now, don't look at me and say, I'll do it forever. Don't do that. Say, I'll give you a year. I'll give you six months. But at least, I, at least, if, at least you ought to practice faithfulness. I'm doing good. What about patience? That's actually a virtue. It means to remain constant. Can you remain constant? It's a sin not to. Did you know worry is a sin? Sinner. It's a sin. Call it a sin. Quit, quit going. Yeah, just not. Shut up and call it sin. It's a sin. Heavenly Father, I've been sinning today. I'm going to be done in a minute. Impatience. What about unforgiveness? Nobody I know has ever been down that road. There's a lot of things, and I'm, I'm going to have to close here in a minute. Listen to me. You, you, you and I need to sit back and look at the stuff that's, actually read your Bible to do it, and go looking, read it, and, and then when it, you hit something, you go, oh, okay, Heavenly Father, I say, I got to work on that. Mark Hankins gave me the book on love. Oh, God. I thought I'm going to read it, and, and I'm going to do this thing. I didn't. I read it and started. I got stuck on love as patient. And then I hit the word kindness while you're being patient. And good, and, and y'all, I'm going to come over here. I don't even want to... You know, Lisa and I will actually look at each other and go, uh, where's Mark's book? <laughs> and we know what that means. It's in, you seem to have been missing something in the last. And every once in a while, I'll just reach over and pick it up. And then I'll put it over there on Lisa's chair where it needs to be. <laughs> no, not really, not really. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Those things will hinder you. You're never going to have the move of God in your life until you've made up your mind that you're going to live right. It is not optional. I'm saved, it don't matter. 
You're saved and it does matter. You better believe it matters. Now, I don't know where y'all are. Everybody in this room is at a completely different place. But here's where I would begin. And I'm not talking about a condemnation mindset. Heavenly Father, I'm going to be reading my Bible. If there's anything in here you want me to make adjustments that's hindering me, you show me. Now, I'm going to tell y'all, I do that almost every day of my life. I don't go to bed until I go. Is there anything that you need? And and there are times he goes, yes, there is. Now, you, you, you live like that, and after a while, you'll change the way you live. You'll change the way you talk. You'll change the way you act. Not everything's okay. Sometimes I get my love book and go, Start at the beginning again and go, okay, help me, Jesus. But I found out if you're not practicing it, you'll never get good. You have to want to obey God. You have to want to obey God. Go into all the world. Teach them to do what I said. That's what preachers are supposed to be doing. America needs it. We need it. Now listen, I, I'm not going to preach like this every Wednesday night. I, 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 know, I want you all to go, praise the Lord. But I am going to, whenever the Lord deals with me. I read, I was, I wanted to read a story about Brother Hagin. And um, several times in his life the Lord told him to do something and he didn't, didn't do it. One of the times was when he stopped. Um, he, he avoided the prophet's ministry. He ended up breaking his elbow, was in the hospital. And if you'll go back and read the book, um, Visions, Jesus walks in the room and said, you need to thank me that I let the devil attack you. You wouldn't have lived past 50. You're out of my will. Well, if you, if you don't know that obeying God will create persecution, it will. Well, I don't want people to think I'm a fruitcake. What does God think about you? I don't want to be a holy roller. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do too. Because without the Holy Spirit, you don't know anything. And you'll never fulfill the call. I'm out of time, but I want to share something with you the Lord showed this afternoon. When we talk about rewards, when you die, whatever you've accomplished is what you are forever. There are people who are going to be further along for eternity. They will have perks you do not have, and you will never get them. I don't mean you're not going to heaven. You say, I'm saved. Yeah. But there's a city in the throne room, and there are people who live there. And there are cities outside, and there are people who live there. There are perks. There are times people will be invited, and your name won't be on the list. You might want to go, Father, is there anything you want me to do? 
Am I in your will? I mean, what is it? You, all you got to do is what he told you to do. Don't play with grace. Don't play with it. I know you're saved. Father God, thank you for this evening. I, I asked you before I started tonight to help me, and, and I believe you have. Everybody's still listening. No one left. I want to say thank you for this book by Brother Hagan. I thank you for his life. And I thank you for the things you've taught me. I pray that every one of us in this room will walk out of here tonight and go, starting tonight, I'm a doer of the Word of God, not just a hearer. It's time for me to grow. It's time for me to make decisions and quit making excuses. It's time for me to be the man or the woman of God God called me to be. And the only reason, the only person can stop, that's us. And I pray that we'd get the revelation of that in Jesus' name. Whatever you're blaming is not your problem. I didn't know. You could know. You don't know who I'm married to. doesn't matter. Whoever you're hanging around is not your problem. All those are is excuses. You can't live for God with a pile of excuses. Make up your mind, go to God and go, okay, starting tonight. So let me ask you a question. I'm just going to ask you a show of hands. How many of y'all, while I was preaching, the Lord began to show you something? I need to make some adjustments. I think every one of us stay there. That's called being tenderhearted. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text... 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.